On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But the mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. And they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, verse 68, Praise the Lord God of Israel, because He has come and has redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He has said through His holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and remember His holy covenant. The oath He swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve Him without fear. I love that verse. Serve God without fear. In holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, my child, talking of John as a father prophesying, Zechariah prophesying, verse 76. And you, my child, be called a prophet of the Most High. And you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way before Him to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into a path of peace. Verse 80, the final verse for tonight. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit. And he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would move tonight. That you would move in great power tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, quicken us. Quicken our hearts. Quicken our minds. We do not need just another religious service. We don't need just another teaching. We need some download from heaven. We need impartation that would change us. Lord, come by your power. Come by your anointing. Come on, lift your voice and pray. Come by your power. Come by your anointing. Move and do what you love to do tonight in the name of Amen. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. This morning I had the great privilege of going to Anchorage after morning prayer. Now I want to encourage you to come to morning prayer. Morning prayer is growing. It's exciting. We were in morning prayer this morning. It was great. 5.30 in the morning. Insane. You've got to love Jesus to get up at 5.30 to go pray. Amen. I know some of you get up to go to work. you got to, right? 5.30 might be early. But to get up when you, when you don't have to get up at 5.30 to go pray is really an awesome thing. And God's meeting us here. I'd encourage you to come. We'll be here tomorrow, 5.30 in the morning. He said, that's early. I know. But I've found if you give God the first part of your day, your day's way better. And so you come 5.30 in the morning. We'll be here 5.30 to 6.30. We, we pray individually just quietly. It doesn't necessarily have to be quiet. We're not really good at being quiet in this church. Anyway, from 5.30 to 6.00. 
It's just you and Jesus. 6 to 6.30, we pray corporately and read, read a chapter of Scripture. This morning I prayed and I felt a stirring in my spirit. I knew I had to go to Anchorage. I wanted to visit one of our people, Joe Ward. How many of you know Joe Ward? Blessed brother, him and Christina, they had a, they had a baby. Eight, pound, eight and a half pounds. And uh, it was a lot of work. And all the ladies say, woo! All right, wouldn't know what that's like. But I'm told if you just, fellas, take your upper lip and peel it back over your head, it'll be something like that. All right. So we went to go visit them and saw their baby. Isaiah Joseph is the baby's name. Eight and a half pounds, beautiful baby. And I walked in, and the circumcision guy was there. And uh, they were, you know, penciling him in for when he's going to have his circumcision, which he had today, the poor little guy. And it was a confirmation of what the Lord was saying to me from this very text. I've entitled it, I Choose to Do God's Will. I want you to say that. I choose to do God's will. Say with all your heart, I choose to do God's will. Now, the naming of the baby is a big decision. How many of you named your own children? Now, in Hawaii, they call on the, the kahuna or the, or the priest, and they'll have a priest come and name your kid. That's some, that, that in some cultures. But in most cultures, the job of naming the child falls to the parents. And here, Elizabeth and Zachariah have the opportunity and the, the, the privilege of naming their child. Look at B. The naming of the child is under the authority of, parent, of the parent. In almost every single culture, that's the case. Now, look at C. The angel had commanded Zachariah to name the child John. Now, you might not think that that's a big deal, because in our culture, we just name our kid whatever we want to, basically. We have a pastor on staff, Steve Franks. They were having their first son, and they said they're going to name him Beansin. Beans and Franks, you get it? Anyway, they didn't do that. But he could have if he wanted to. And, and in the Hebrew culture, in the Jewish culture, they named their children after somebody that was in their family. You didn't ever deviate from that. Unless, of course, God would tell you to. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. In Luke 1.13, you can look there with me, but the angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. I have to go on to say that in verse 14, Zechariah says, Well, how can I know that what you're saying is true? And then judgment comes to Zechariah. I've preached on this many times before, but it's such a real revel. It's a revelation to me, and maybe it'll be that for you too. Here, Zechariah is before the, the burning incense, a job that he would have once in his life. A lot was chosen. He's going to burn incense before the Lord at the time of prayer. He goes in. He's burning incense. Bam! An angel shows up. The angel says, yo, what's up, Zechariah? Didn't really say that. It's like the street version. Paraphrase. It says, says your prayer's been heard. Now, what that means in the Greek, it means the prayer you used to pray has been heard. It's been answered. And I've come basically in response to your prayer. And your son, your your wife's going to get pregnant. And he's going to have a boy. And you're going to name his name John. And he says, well, how do I know what you're telling me is true? And he says, you've got to be dumber than a box of rocks. And and judgment basically comes down on him. He says, "I I am Gabriel. Stand before the presence of the Lord, and now you're going to be deaf and mute and dumb and stupid. <laughs> Whatever he says. 
I mean, you can go look at it. You can go look at it. But the point is, judgment comes on him. And I, I, I just want to touch on this for a moment. Why could the priest, Zachariah, who came from a family of pastors, if I could say it that way, and his wife, what came from a family of pastors, two or priests, why could he not believe that the angel now had answered his prayer? He had a place of unbelief. What was it within him that held him back from believing that his miracle was now upon him? I will tell you what it is. It was hurt. It was a wounding in his soul because there was a reproach on them. You need to read the whole text. It's another message. I almost want to preach the whole thing. There was a reproach. I mean, in other words, if you were living for God, you wouldn't be barren. That's the idea. And he was living for God. It says that he was a devout man, above reproach, him and his wife, holy, blameless, it says. And yet he couldn't believe God because he had a wounded place. And sometimes when you pray for God to come through for you and you wait and you wait and you wait and it doesn't come through the way that you thought it would, then you can get a little bit wounded in your faith and say, man, God, well, I don't know what's up with that. Now, he didn't quit serving God. He kept going ahead. But when finally his prayer, his answer to prayer came, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. Now, the full gestation period has taken place. The baby's born. It's time to name him. They ask him what he want to call the baby, and he says, John. The name John means Yahweh is gracious or merciful. Names mean something. Ichabod means the glory is departed when the ark was captured in the Old Testament and, and one of the children was born. They named the baby Ichabod. Wouldn't you hate to have that name? Look at your notes. You see, Zechariah did not have to name the baby John. He chose to name the baby John. To do the will of God demands a choice. Say it with me. To do the will of God demands a a choice. Zachariah and Elizabeth had a choice to name the baby John. They chose to obey the command of the angel. And as human beings made in God's image, we've been given a will. You have a will. God is not going to grab you and make you do anything. Why? Because you're made in God's image. It's a very, it's called the glory of men. In the garden, the glory of men. In the garden of Eden, there was a, there was a tree. And they had to choose to eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, because love is not a vacuum. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not going to grab you and twist you and wind you up and let you just serve God. That is not how it happens. You have to choose to live for him every single day. You have to choose to stand up and lift your hands or lift your voice. I made a choice to rejoice, right? Offer up a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice because a good part of you might not want to lift your hands and say, Hallelujah! But you choose to. And you're foolish. And the Amplified version says stupid. I read it today, Amplified. If you don't choose to do that. I was all trying to get stupid out of my vocabulary, but I read it in the Amplified today and figure I'm just going to keep it. Amen. Some people really got a spirit of stupid and they need some help. Amen. If you have that tonight, just stand up on your... No, don't do that. 
So to do the will of God demands a choice. And as human beings, we, you know, we're not just wound up. We're not pull toys. God could make us serve him, but that's not it because that's not love. Love's not in a vacuum. And love has nothing to do with sex. Well, I don't want to say it that way. How should I say that? Look, love, how do we know what love is? That one man died for another. That one man died for another. We know what love, 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 love is commitment. Love is covenant. Love is laying down your life. And it doesn't have anything to do with, with the pleasure aspect of all of that. That's a wonderful byproduct in marriage. Either that or you're celibate. That's the way it is in Scripture. Amen. All the single people said, amen. All the fornicators are quiet. Okay. Don't you love church? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the glory of men. Go ahead and write it in your notes. So we're not robots. We have a choice. Look at two. We're not robots. We have a choice. And that's why the very the fact that you and I will be judged before the throne of God points to the fact that you have a choice. You see, there wouldn't be any judgment if you weren't going to stand before the... There wouldn't, God would never judge you if you didn't have choice. You have a choice. You say, I, I just can't do it. No, you're choosing not to, Bubba. You don't know how hard it is. No, no, you can do it. Come on, somebody say you can do it. And since Satan now rules the earth, you said Satan rules the earth? I thought God rules the earth. No, not yet. There is a hostile takeover taking place through the people of God. That's us. But the God of this age is not Jesus. The God, small g, God of this age is Satan. And he's been given rights. In fact, Adam forfeited his rights and gave them to him. That's why when Jesus was tempted after 40 days in the wilderness, Satan led him and said, you know, he tempted in all the different areas of temptation that we have. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And he showed in the kingdoms of the earth and he says, all of these kingdoms are mine. I'll give them to you if you bow down and worship me. All Satan wants is to be worshipped. I used to read that and say, what a liar. He's the father of lies. And in fact, he is a liar and he is a father of lies, but he was telling the truth right there. All these kings have been given to me and I give them to whoever I want. Just bow down and worship me. The kingdoms of the earth were turned over to Satan. That's why people just have scales over their eyes. So since Satan rules the, rules the world due to sin, God works through people. Watch this. God works through people who yield their will to his will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. You want to see your destiny unfold? Do his will. And it's not just going to happen by, by a little bit of oil over your head. You're going to have to choose to stand up and worship. You're going to have to choose to lift your hand. Say, I don't feel like it. Well, welcome to the I don't feel like it club. You're going to have to have something bigger on the inside of you that says, because he died for me, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to place my two feet. And having done all else to stand, I'll continue to stand. I'm going to choose to do God's will in the earth. I'm going to tell you that mamsie, pamsy Christianity is a bunch of bunk. There's lots of people that sizzle, but they got no stake. You know what I'm talking about? There's people, I'm telling you, God wants to pour out His Spirit, and it's more than just doing a dance, a jig. It's more than just Shonda Shuba with a bam-bam. It's character, people. It's choosing to live for Him, and then God will anoint you and will change the earth. Man, somebody recently, you know, the tongue-talking, all that, 
And they just talk about how excited they were that they ripped off a business. I'm thinking, what kind of an idiot are you? Did you rebuke him? Yeah, I did. You call yourself a Christian. We wonder why people aren't flooding the church. It's because people who tongue talk or, or, or claim carry a big stinking Bible, but they don't have it on the inside. They don't have character. They have a little bit of sizzle, a little bit of show. Listen, what you do in the dark is who you are. When nobody can see you. Reinhard Bunke preached this message I think I shared, but... Are you wearing clean underwear? It comes out of Leviticus. The priest, don't look at me all weird. Because only you and God know whether you have clean underwear on, maybe your wife. Only you and God know whether you have clean shorts on. He said, I don't like this mess. Look, in Leviticus, they had to, the priest had to put on their BVDs before God. And I'm going to tell you what, there wasn't anybody there helping them put on their, their BVDs. It literally talks about wearing linen underwear, and they had to put on their linen underwear. I'm going to tell you, between you and God, you're the only one that knows whether your shorts are clean. In your life, in your private life, where nobody can see, that is the level of maturity in Christianity that you have. I don't care how you jig, dance, rap, spin, shout. You can quote scripture. That is the level you're at. Praise the Lord. Somebody give them praise in the house of God tonight. All right. I just wanted to get that clear. So in order for us to see Satan really ex- removed and to see people delivered, God's got to find a people who will have a will to do his will. Somebody say, I'm going to have God. I'm going to I'm going to yield my will to God's will. Say it. I'm going to yield my will to God's will. I know some of you guys thought I was going to rap and stuff, and I'm going to do that maybe later. All right. Zechariah, look at the notes. Zechariah could have aborted the will of God. Now, God's got a plan. Everybody likes to say, God's got a plan. Yeah, God has a plan for you. Will you follow through and see that plan come about, or will you abort it? See, there's this mistaken thing that just because you say Jesus or something, God's plan's going to come about for you. <clears throat> Wrong. You have to choose his plan. You have to wake up every morning and take it. You have to learn to put your flesh down, control your passions, gentlemen. You need to learn how to learn how to live for Him, abide in Him. You've got to choose to do the will of God. Come on, somebody say it again. I choose to do the will of God. I choose to do the will of God. Zechariah could have aborted. Oh, some good points here. Ooh, ooh, watch this. He could have resented being deaf and being dumb out of spite and called the baby another name. Say, God, you didn't have to do that to me. And I had to walk around. I'm all embarrassed with all my priestly friends. You didn't have to do that. Actually, it's probably more like, Lord, you didn't have to do that to me. What? What did I do? All I said is why or how or something like that, and you made me deaf and dumb. What? What did I do? What? Oy vey. You know what? I'm not going to name him John now. I'm going to name him Zachariah. Junior. Could he have done that? He could have. He could have done it out of resentment because, oh, God, God dealt him a wicked blow. Some of you are, some of you are struggling under, listen, there's still judgments today. I'm not talking about the final judgment. I'm saying some of you have consequences because you did the wrong thing. And you're all mad at God when you were the one that put your foot in a, you put your finger in a pencil sharpener, spiritually speaking. 
And I know people that just do it over and over and over again. Oh, God, won't you heal me, God? I love you, Lord. It's so wonderful to heal me. I need healing today. You come to the front. Come to the front line. I need healing. Yeah. And it's just pencil sharpening with the devil and everything. You know. Oh, and they get touched by God and then they go home and they think, oh, God. And their whole life is about grinding their finger in a pencil sharpener. Come on, somebody. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Why, why, would you, why would you be in a fornicating relationship when fornicators go to hell? That's where they go. It's God's, not God's intention for you to have that happen. He wants you to go to heaven, but he's a God of justice. He loves you. That's why he raises up bald head freaks like me to tell you. Help you. Don't do it. So he could have resented, but not just that. Look at two. He could have yielded to public pressure. Peer pressure. There are people, instead of doing the will of God, yield to the, to the will of people instead. Well, they won't like me. Like I said so many times before, there is statistically only three people that like you anyway. Approximately three people like you. All right, so who cares? Live for God. You don't owe them any allegiance. You owe Jesus allegiance. Why? He died on the cross. He redeemed you. He purchased you by his own blood. You owe him allegiance, not your neighbor, although you're to love them as yourself. Yes. Could have, could have yielded to public pressure. There's two things that keep us from obeying God. Write them down. I, I don't think they're in your notes. Maybe they are. I forget. There's inside pressure and outside pressure. Inside pressures are like bitterness, resentment, pride, hurts. Now, I'm going to tell you for me, I gave my heart to Jesus and bounced back. And I I served him like a yo-yo, like a Dunkin' yo-yo. Does anybody know what a Dunkin' yo-yo is? I was in, I was out, I was in, I was out. I I was just, love God, backslide, love God, backslide. I was just, whip, 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 back and forth. Crazy. What a horrible life. Why? Because I never really got, eventually I did, you know, praise the Lord, by His grace. That that series of of years of my life, and it was about three of them, I never really got delivered. I never really gave them my whole heart. It was like, I'll serve you, but I'm going to hold on to this because you know my heart. Well, you ever said that? Oh, Lord, you know my heart. Uh, You know my heart. Yeah, Jeremiah says it's deceitfully wicked above all else. That's what's in your heart. I'm led by my heart. That's stupid. Amplified version. Be led by your heart. Be led by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. He said, I don't feel like it. Well, feelings will deceive you. Listen, if you choose your wife because she's all fine, ooh, baby, ooh, baby, you're a fool. Because 20 years later, if you based it all up on that, it's going to be different in about 20 years. And you're going to be different too, Slick. Oh, yeah. If you base choosing your husband because he's all handsome and has money or something, you're, 
You're stupid. Amplified version. How do you choose a husband? How do you choose a wife? You make sure they love God way more than you if you can. If you can. And, and if they live, God, you watch the, the wind of the enemy blow on their life. And you watch that person stand, not being moved by trials, not being moved by sickness, but pressing into God. Passing the tests of temptation, passing the tests of character. You want to yoke up with that the rest of your life, then you don't have to worry about it. Don't do missionary dating. doesn't work. Why, why, don't, why don't we yield our will to the will of God? Why don't we obey God? The first thing, inside pressure. Everybody say inside pressure. Come on, say pressure. Inside pressure. Okay, very good. And outside pressure. Outside pressure. What's outside pressure? Outside pressure, public ideas, the world, circumstances, family. Family pressure. Pressure. All, all, all of these, all of the scriptures tell us of people who received specific instructions but disobeyed. Many, many, many people received specific instructions and disobeyed. And there's many who received specific instruction and obeyed. Zechariah obeyed. All right, here we go. Seven things, and I'm going to close tonight. Seven things that happen when we do the will of God. I've given you notes so you can fill them in. All right? And you go preach it to somebody else. If you need a pen, just bring one next time you come to church. Praise the Lord. Okay, what happens when we do the will of God? Seven things I see from the text. The first thing is when Zechariah chose to name the baby John, which was an act of his will, Zechariah as well, he experienced freedom. Verse 64, his mouth was loose. His tongue was loose. If you do the will of God, people, you will experience freedom. In your life, you'll have freedom. Some of you are not free because you're not doing the will of God. You might be doing it in, in, in deed just around you, but some of you are polluted in your thoughts and you allow that to just run rampant. And, and, and it really will bring destruction. Come on, purity happens here. Romans 8.2 says, Because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit is... The spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. You want to know how to get free from bondage? I will tell you how to get free from bondage. Do the will of God and you will get free. You want a word from God? All right, close your eyes. Go ahead. Go ahead, close your eyes. No looking. My beloved. Do the will of God. Do my will. Everybody said, do his will, you get freedom. I just got chicken skin and stuff. Goosebumps, you know? Amen? All right. What happens when you, when you do the will of God? Seven things. The second thing is God will be held in awe by others. Look at verse 65. You do the will of God, you get free. And then everybody goes, whoa. What happened? I'm doing the will of God. I got free. And they go, whoa, God. You do the will of God, you'll get free. And people will look at you and go, oh, my gosh. God must be alive because I know how messed up you were. Hello? They look at you and they go, dag, there must be a living God because I was around. You were stupid. I mean, you just constantly putting your finger in the pencil sharpener all the time. You must, what, what happened? 
did the will of God. And people will look at you and go, wow, I don't really like getting my finger in a pencil sharpener either. Can I do the will of God? Yeah, you can. People will be held in awe. The third thing is the Holy Spirit will work in and through us in a greater way. When he obeyed and named the baby, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. You want to be used by God? Obey him. Some people want this great anointing to obey. I can tell you story after story after story after story after story that I never got the fire until I took the first step of obedience. I remember, I've told this story before, but I, I really like it, and it's true. Every detail of it was in an in a airport waiting to pick up Damon Thompson. He's a revivalist that's in Alabama now. Maybe we'll get him up here one of these days. He was coming to preach at our church, and I was the young adult leader, so I went with a bunch of my rough and tough young adult buddies and our wives, and we went to go pick him up. But the plane was like an hour and a half late. Well, the whole, all the people that are going to get on the plane and fly back home are all waiting in the, in the waiting area. I don't know, 300 people, something. I'm in a big plane, lots of people. So we go sit in an adjacent waiting area, and we're just kind of praying in tongues, and we're singing, hanging out with Jesus, talking to each other, testifying. great. And I just keep looking over at this crowd. And the Lord starts messing with me and says, how many of those people actually do you think are saved? I thought, oh, I don't know. You know, so I looked and just said, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20? Then the gifts of the Spirit start operating. I start having discernment. I start seeing a guy who I know beats his wife. And I start seeing adulterous things. I start seeing homosexual relationships. I start seeing all kinds of stuff. And I'm looking, it starts breaking my heart, and I'm just thinking, oh, this is messed up. And I said, my, I said to my buddies, my wife, Karen, was there. I said, we need to pray for these guys. Let's, let's just pray. And so, Lord, we prayed, and, like, that just didn't do it. I was crushed. I had this burden. And the Lord spoke to me out of Ezekiel and said, the watchman who's on the wall, if he doesn't blow the trumpet, then the blood is on his hands. And I thought, that ain't right. And I knew I was the watchman. And, I, and then I started thinking, Oh, my God, maybe the plane's going to crash. You know, planes crash. Right? And so I start thinking, God, is the plane going to crash? All I hear is crickets. I don't hear anything. The watchman who's on the wall, if he sees the army coming. And I just thought, oh, that's messed up. So I, I tell everybody, okay, listen, man, I feel like God just said the watchman who's on the wall. And immediately my wife starts rocking back and forth, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I just thought, oh, God, i got to do something about it. And I stood up and I walked away. And I said, Lord, just anoint me right now. Nothing. I said, okay, well, let's just carry a little bit. I'll pray in tongues. Nothing. I felt nothing. In fact, I think I felt the absence of God. Crickets, once again, wondering what's happening. The Lord, the Lord just impressing me, the watchman who's on the wall. And I thought, okay, okay, I'm just going to go stand in the midst of them and just pray. I'll be a little bit closer. So I went and stood by a, a, a phone payphone, which like they hardly have anymore because we all have cell phones. I'm standing by the payphone and I just said, Lord, I'll preach to him, but I need a little bit more encouragement, please, please. I just, I just didn't want to, I didn't, I wasn't into doing, making a public spectacle of myself. Didn't want to do it. On the far corner of that room walks in a friend of mine who is praying in the Holy Ghost like a house on fire. He walked in and he looks at me and he's nodding. 
He just comes walking in. That's what he does. All through the crowd, people are looking at him. He's like, he's insane. He comes walking in the far door, and he's just going like this. And he looks at me and goes, yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I felt like the Lord said, that's it, son. And then I just said, ah, I just jumped out and said, everybody, can I have your attention? I had to do it twice. I told him a joke. I did it. I told him a joke. I said, if you had a nice time in the Hawaiian Islands, that's where we were living, they're all, yes. I said, great. I've got a joke for you today. They're all great. I said, a man gets hit by a bus. He was on his bike, and everybody's like, he goes to heaven. And the angel says, I'll let you into heaven, but you must first tell me God's name. And the guy says, oh, that's easy. Howard. And the angel says, what? Howard? He says, oh, yeah, our father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. I got it. I'm in. The whole place busted up laughing. And I told them at that point, if your plane crashes tonight, tonight your plane goes down in the Pacific Ocean, are you going to heaven? And I preached the gospel under the fire of the Spirit of God and gave an altar call, gave an opportunity to do the whole thing, prayed the prayer. I had pitched just like church, by the way. For those of you that want to know what it's like to preach, it's the, it's the, if to stand up here, it's the exact same thing. You got people that hate you, wish you would shut up, hurry up so they can go eat. You got people who aren't listening to you because they're sleeping. They stayed up playing Xbox 360 till all hours of the night and they made them come to church. Their parents made them come. They're not really listening to you, whatever. Then you got other people that are on the edge of their seats and they're listening and they're receiving and other people, they're already saved and they're just like, go, go, go. And so it's the same thing in church. What are you saying? When you take a step of faith in doing the will of God, you will have a release of the Holy Spirit to help you get over whatever your difficulty is. He will quicken you. He will anoint you. The God of of heaven will come upon you with might to do what he's called you to do. I'm going to tell you, the other side of obedience, there's a blessing that far outweighs disobedience. You're trying to feed your flesh or do your thing and did when you know it's wrong. Oh, there's pleasure for a season, honey. But in the end, it reaps a harvest of death. But if you will do God's will, God will bless you, give you supernatural joy, supernatural favor, supernatural provision, supernatural help. He'll rain down on you with fire and anointing like you've never experienced in all your life. And you'll come to find out the very purpose for being alive is to do the will of God. You've got to choose to do the will. Man, I feel like preaching tonight. Praise the Lord. Oh, look at D. You get a clear picture of God's working and his purpose. All of a sudden, Zechariah gets a glimpse of God's plan of salvation. Where do you think he got that from? The Holy Spirit. You do his will, you'll get a greater glimpse of God's working, what he wants to do. Look at E. We're reaffirmed in our role. Verse 74, if we obey, we'll see our role more clearly. Our destiny, look at F, our destiny will be revealed. Verse 76. Destiny is progressive. What do you mean? Some of it, I would say vision's progressive. I'd like to say it that way. The vision for your life will be revealed, but it's progressive. Look, when I was all when I was in my dream center, I'm gonna tell you the vision I had was about this big. Graduate. 
finish. Finish. Don't kill my roommate. You know. Try not to curse at the counselor. Amen. But you know something after I got kicked out? I got kicked out. After I get kicked out and had a horrible demonic encounter that scared Jesus, just scared me straight, man. I just, I had a horrible, I mean, you know, they come back seven times worse if you ever go back. Does everybody know about that? Yeah, so I had a horrible demonic encounter that scared me straight to God. And I ran towards him and thanked God for my mother who was there. And I just got plugged into our church many, many years ago and never left. That's when I met Micah. He was about this big. He's now our worship leader. Love you, man. He still had crazy hair back then, too. In every production. Just awesome. And I, you know, my, my vision expanded towards live for God the rest of your life. And as I, as I began to be faithful and, and learn to, to do that, then it expanded. God, God I gotta, I'm going to tell you, I got a devil broken off of me or cast out of me. I don't know what the deal was. I don't really understand spiritual spatial reality. And I would say you don't either. Amen. Maybe you can listen to the tape later. And Spiritual spatial reality. I didn't know if I had one sitting on my head, if it was in my shoe or on my shoulder. I don't know, but I had one. You know what I mean? I had a problem. I had a problem. I came to the front and got, got that thing busted off of me like, like a toothpick snapped. Chains broke off of me. I hit the ground under the power of God, and God spoke to me and said, Son, I've called you to preach my word. It confirmed everything I knew. I'm getting messed up now. I didn't have a vision for anything but maybe getting my family back, which, by the way, I lost. It had just gone too far. And I know God can do every, anything. I'm going to somebody say God can do anything. But people have a will. She rejected. They didn't want that. It was too much. I mean, I don't know how all that works. Lost my family. Lost two daughters. Went hardcore after God. And God began to take my life. This is just my personal testimony. He began to expand the vision that he had for me. I've not only called you to preach, I've called you to preach here. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to send you the nations. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And as I was faithful to, do, to, to take the next step, like being in the choir. That was the first thing I did. My, my mother said, you need to be in the choir, son. You'd like to sing, get in the choir. I said, I'm going to wear one of those stupid robes and stuff. Come on, give me a break. I got in the choir, and all of a sudden I started to sing, and the power of God had come on me every time I'd lift my voice. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. Awesome. And then I found when I would leave the church, the same anointing would be on me to follow through and walk in his will in a greater way. Then I started going to small groups. Come on, what, what are you saying? When you, what am I saying? I'm saying to you, when you do the will of God, your destiny will be revealed, and it will be progressive. Some of you can't see the forest from the trees right now. I know what that's like. It's hard. But if you'll just obey what you've got to do today, he'll make a way out of no way. He'll mow the trees down. He'll bring you into your destiny. You don't have to, you're not smart enough to figure it out anyway. He'll bring you in. Don't worry about it. Oh, they want a year of my life. Well, if you don't give them a year of your life, you'll probably give the devil ten. Took me forever to figure that out. I wasted five and then gave him one and got, got kicked out and then I got free. Oh, I don't want to go there all year. 
His discipleship Look, some of you got to commit to going to church every week, twice a week. You got to read your Bible. You got to get plugged into God. And when you do that, God will cause a vision for your life to continue to expand. Come on, somebody say, I choose to do His will. All right, God's, God's speaking to us. We experience God's mercy in greater measure. And word mercy is in verse 58, verse 72, and 78. When you choose to do God's will, you'll see God's love and mercy at every turn. Every single turn. It's hard to serve God. The scriptures say hard is the way of the transgressor. This is not hard. I know what hard is. This ain't it. Hard is having all of your home and your family wiped out by a tsunami. Now while it's snowing and you don't know where to get any heat, where to get any food, where to get any drink, you don't know how to survive the next day. That's hard. What we got is not hard. Now we live in Alaska and it's dark. Oh, give me a break. All right, God's speaking to us. I've got to hurry. We can know His will. You can know His will. You can know His will. First of all, it's right here. The Word of God is the will of God. So read it. You know, some say it's basic instruction before leaving earth, Bible. It's a song about that. You can know His will. Our task in life is to bypass our will and allow His will to be done through us. Now, I will say that, and I touched on this, I think, a few services ago. When you do that long enough, then really what begins to happen is there's a meshing of his will and your will. I, I don't want my, my, my will is his will. I want his will. I mean, I have to every day wake up and say, yeah. And, you know, there sometimes rises up a thing of the flesh that wants to go do my own little thing. That's not the Lord. And then I have to put that down, put, put the flesh down. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Just wants to just eat a whole loaf of soda bread and rejoice, that kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm Irish. What can I tell you? God, you can know his will. God speaks through his word, speaks through circumstances. Maybe you want to write some of this down. Speaks through his word, speaks through circumstances. A prophet can speak over you. Prophetic voice. Dreams. Visions. Visions are when you're awake. Dreams are when you're sleeping. How many of you have dreams and visions? I do. It's normal. Normal Christianity, people. That's normal. It all is to be judged by this. All right? I had this dream that I just left my family went to the mission field. Not God. Why? Because you don't leave your family and go to the missions. This is very clear. I just dream that I don't have to work anymore. Not God. Uh, some of you want that dream. You're like, give me that. Give me that, Lord. No, no. You have to work. Why? Because if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what Scripture says. And then you're a sluggard. You're a loafer. And actually, the church is supposed to kick people out that refuse to work. Did you know that? And we just wait and trust that God's going to speak to him and give him a good swift boot and get him going. Amen. Got to work, right? So you can have something to share. So you can help with the work. So I'm not able to work. You can do something. I'm disabled. You can do something. So you're disabled and all you can do is sit in your chair in front of a computer. Then be a pastor to the 5,500 million people on Facebook. You who are spiritual. Because you can end up getting defiled and messed up by that too. 
because Satan's got pastors on Facebook too. Watch out. So we can know his will. As a church, our vision is simply to fulfill his will. As a church, and I'll talk personally here in a minute. As a church, all, we, all I want to do, all I want to do is fulfill the will of God for our, for our little church here. And we are a little church. I don't know that we'll always be little. I believe that God, where God's causing us to grow. Amen. I wanted to close Anchorage. Can I be honest with you? I'm going to tell you right now, our extension in Anchorage for a whole year, I've been driving in with our team 100 miles every day for, for not very many people, some of which really have a church already. And there have been people that have gotten saved, and it's been great. It's been great. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the finances. I'm looking at the, out, the outlay of, 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 of personal resource that it takes me to do it. I'm going to tell you something. I miss my nap on Sunday, man. I'm saved. This is how I was discipled. You go to church, you go home, you eat a big lunch, and you sleep. No, that's what they told me. You do? Every believer does that. You want to serve God? You got to go home and take a nap. I'm totally serious. And I thought, it's the Sabbath rest, son. That's what you do. Then you get up and you make yourself a little tea or something. Wake yourself up, get in the Word, kind of think about the message from the morning. And then you get your booty to church tonight. And that's what you did. That's what you did Sunday. You went to church. You got home. You went and you had fellowship with other people. And you fed yourself a lot of food. And you went home and you slept. And you got up. And you went and did it again. And so I've missed my nap for all of this, this for a whole year. I know you think that's crazy, but it, like, it was a different rhythm for me. So I learned a cat nap in a car, just all, all jacked like this. Because we got people in the back and the truck, truck's full. And God anointed my little 15-minute nap. I used to get an hour. Now I get 15 minutes, and it was the same thing. I felt refreshed. It was amazing. I'm saying, God, I don't really want to do this anymore on Sunday. And I felt like the Lord said, no, well, you're going to. And so we did. Well, that shifted. And, and we felt like the Lord really wanted to put us on the University of Anchorage. But I thought, you know something? Dumped a bunch of different reasons. Why don't we just wait? Why don't we just wait to do the University of Anchorage? I stood before on the, on the final day of making that decision. I stood before the... The congregation, I think it was the Sunday before, and I looked at, I don't know, 15 people. And I realized the Lord saying to me, son, you are their shepherd. What are you going to do? I said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the good shepherd, God. I ain't shutting nothing down. And it sure ain't about my nap. And do you know what? God opened that thing on, oh, we're open this Saturday. We open this Saturday night at the University of Anchorage. We're going to do what's called a soft opening. But you know what I believe? I believe there's going to come such a tidal wave of salvation through that place. And some of you need to be a part of it. And there began to be breakthrough. We're experiencing breakthrough. All of a sudden, the different things I've wanted to get done for, for years, they're happening now. Look, see this, these sound things and the media things and the stuff upstairs. Some of you don't know. Some of you have been here. I'm just telling you, for years, we've wanted to move forward on some things that were just were blocked. All of a sudden, they opened. Why? Because you do the will of God, God releases greater things to you. So as a, as a church, as we, want, we want to follow the vision simply is to do His will. And our personal vision, everybody say my personal vision. Our personal vision, look at me, I'm almost done, I'm almost in, almost finished, hold on. And our personal vision should come out of intimacy with God. 
and be the fulfilling of his will for our life. You get personal vision through intimacy and through being around other visionaries. By the way, talk to the Haggertys. They are blowing it up. They are blowing it up. That church is taking off. And financially, everything's just moving, moving forward. He sends their love. They, they sent me a picture of a crawdad on a, on a corn cob. I thought, that's messed up right there. Listen, those of you that are really blessed here, there's a purpose for the blessing of God. And it's to fulfill His will. Once you start hoarding and thinking it's all about you, you miss it. It's about expanding His kingdom. Come on, somebody say, I choose to do the will of God. Choose to do the will of God. One more thing. We have a choice. We have a choice. Let's choose to accomplish His will. We have a choice. Stand up and give praise to the Lord, won't you? Come on, just thank Him right out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. All across this place, those out in the World Wide Web land, TV land, web land, whatever it's called. Tonight you're saying, okay, I'm in. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I've been following after God. I'm going to keep following after God. But every day I wake up. You know, the truth is, I think for about 20, 15, maybe 17 years I did this, and I've sort of gotten away from it a little bit. But I used to wake up and say, oh, God. My Lord, my King, my God, my everything, I choose to serve you today. I think I'm going to do that again. It's in my heart. I mean, I'm still serving Him. Some of you need to just begin to say, I'm going to do His will. And quit making excuses. And quit taking your finger and sticking it in. Quit it. You know it doesn't feel good. Stop it. Amen. Amen? Come on, just say, I choose to do your will, God. You're here tonight, and like Zachariah, he was wounded. He couldn't even believe the angel. You feel like, man, I, if I could just get this wound out of my life, or if I could just deal with this obstacle, then I could move forward in a greater way. Listen, that's not an excuse. I understand that. You need healing. That's okay. Absolutely. You need healing. Yeah. If you don't if you don't get healed, then you'll run into roadblocks. You'll run into places where you'll just cringe or go back to the crutches that he delivered you from. Crutches could be lots of things. Relationship, drugs. Crutches could be money, fame. Could be lots of stuff. You've got to get that healed. You've got to get healed. You've got to get healed on the inside. You say, Pastor, that's me, man. I need some healing tonight. In your mind, your emotions, whatever it might be. If that's you, just come to the front right now. Zachariah couldn't believe because of a wounded place. He's a healer. 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 Remove every sliver. Remove God. Heal every wound. Right now, places where we were wounded by our parents, places where we were hurt by our spouses, maybe, or teachers, 
those in authority, previous pastors, or maybe I hurt you. I hope I didn't. If I did, I'm sorry. Just ask God to heal you right now. Take away the sting, Lord. Heal me. Healing, Jesus. Come on, some of you know what it is. You can remember, you can remember vividly what happened. And what you need to do right now is in the moment of that remembrance of what happened at the dinner table when you were seven or what happened outside your house, I see somebody on a swing uh, near a wall, a young lady, a girl even, and you were crushed. Something happened and it really devastated you. And you sat there just weeping and crying and you could remember the pain of that moment right now. Right now, you can remember others of you, just the the pain of the moment, the the tragedy that took place, where perhaps you were abused or somebody stole something, took something from you. Now, you've got to ask Jesus into that situation to heal you right now. Ask him right now, Jesus, come and heal me. You've got to forgive those who hurt you. That's why Jesus died. He died on the cross for that thing, for that sin, for that defilement that took place. And you must forgive them. It's an act of your will. You must forgive them. The feelings of forgiveness will flow later. You won't necessarily feel like it, but you've got to forgive them. Just let it be words and make a declaration. I forgive them. It's for a number of people all across this place. Right now, just say for, you know, whatever it is, I forgive my dad for abusing me. I forgive, I forgive my mom. Lord, my brother, just speak it out. Whatever the situation is, speak it out right now. You and God, go ahead. It's important to do it out loud. My boyfriend, my girlfriend. Tonight, Lord, remove every blockage that would keep us from obeying. Strongholds tonight and heal your people. You're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. You're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. You're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. Heal me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. You're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. You're the healer, you're the healer. Right now, you're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. 
for the youth 13 to 18 years old. Also Friday night, IG, pretty much the coolest place on earth, 13 to 18 also. Love you guys. God bless you. Praise the Lord.